Amateur hour. Happy holidays, happy new year. Whenever you're hearing this, we're glad that you found it because now, now, we're right there on the verge of the college baseball season. It's gonna be Valentine's Day before you know it. You're gonna be celebrating college baseball. Look, if, you, if you've never found this podcast before, it's a good thing. Danny Wexelman's my producer, my co-host on this podcast, the gatherer of all amazing interviews. We've got two of them on this show. And, uh, and I'm Darren. And if you've subscribed, you're back. We're glad, you know, subscribe, share it, follow, do whatever you need to do. But we've got an amazing show to start off 2023, to wrap 22 to start 23. I love Tanner Witt. I, I love the fact that he, he's got a little bit of that edge, kind of that Texas confidence that comes with a, with a pitcher like him and who he is. But he also now has the going through the humil humiliation, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but the humbling effect of having to have your arm rebuilt when you're kind of becoming a guy. So Tanner Witt, great conversation. Uh, what a wonderful guy to take the time. He did it from his home during the holidays. Um, Tanner Witt, great get, and he's going to be a very high pick this year. Oh, me. It's my turn. Usually you talk about both of our guests before you get to, you get to me. It's my turn. I'm just looking. I'm looking at the notes that, that we took about. It's our first podcast, by the way, folks. It's my first time here. Okay. Don't I, edit that part out. Don't edit that part out. Okay. I wanted to have Tanner Witt on because we haven't dipped into Texas a ton, the Longhorns a ton, and I felt like it was time to bring somebody on. And he, Tanner wasn't on our radar last year, obviously, because he had Tommy John surgery. He had to sit out and watch and rehab and come back, and he had to watch his team find success and, and have an exciting season. And what he talks about is the guys that he loved playing with his freshman year. He had a lot of success his freshman year. He had to watch some of his best friends play their last year. Now he's got to come back and find a way to come back stronger, better, faster. He's always—he's at the top of the, of the prospects list, right, for the draft. But what is he going to be able to do? How has he been able to get through this moment? We dive into his family. His family means everything to him. They're very competitive, even through the holidays. So he's going to tell us who is the best athlete in the family. But I was excited to get him on. And he's like the nicest person. He's so nice. He's so kind, gave really thoughtful answers. But I was happy to have, yeah, I was happy to have a pitcher on to dive in. Someone who's come back from Tommy John. We, we haven't had a ton of those, I would say, in the last couple of months. So, so also on this podcast, speaking of Texas, Hunter Pence will join us, the Texan and the co-host of Perfect Game College Baseball. Hunter comes on every episode, and we take a part of that Perfect Game College Baseball show. Find it on Perfect Game TV. It's every week. He's my co-host. And Texas is the theme. Dallas Baptist head coach Dan Heefner, um, who said something very interesting in our conversation. We don't play in the Missouri Valley, or we at least don't look at it that way that we play in the Missouri Valley or that we're a mid-major. The conference we play in is the top 25. I thought that was just about as cool of a quote as you can get. Anyway, we'll have a little bit of that. Also on this show, Chase Davis. Now, Tanner Witt was an impact player in the World Series a couple of years ago as a freshman. He clearly was. He came out of the pen. He helped him out. He was a guy that, you know, really was able to jump in with both feet his freshman year. Chase Davis wasn't. The perfect game All-American went with his team to the College World Series. Again, Perfect game All-American and had 30 at-bats the whole year. But he didn't transfer, and he didn't get upset, and he didn't hang his tail between his legs. He had 18 home runs last year. He was awesome. He's now being talked about in that first or second round. I love Chase Davis. You got him. We got him on this show. Okay, you've had a chance to call a bunch of his games and see him over the past few years. I have not. I have not seen him since the All-American Classic. And the notes that I have back in 2019 say he likes to dance, he speaks Spanish, and his favorite player is Carlos Gonzalez. And if you look and you do a search of Chase Davis on Twitter now, he speaks Spanish. He's doing interviews in Spanish. He's still dancing. And there are comparisons to Cargo from his swing on the left side. And I am just so excited to catch up and see what he's been up to and, and hear about how he dealt with sitting back and watching because this was a guy who was highly touted and he was the name and, and he had all of those accolades to go along with it. But he had to watch and that sucks, but you learn a lot from that. So I'm excited to catch up with him and see what he's been up to. But mostly because you got to call some of his biggest moments from last year. I, I just can't wait to, to group catch up with him. It's like a group chat but better yeah no three homers against Stanford I got to call all of them on TV he walked off ASU I got to call that 
Um, amazing. Like, he, he's, a, he's a great young man. As a matter of fact, it was interesting. He came and flew down, and David Ronsley and I, the, the, the excellent scout for Perfect Game, we unveiled the All-American Classic roster in 2019. He flew, sat at Petco Park while we did that unveiling show as our guest. So I got to have lunch with him, make sure he was safe and sound, kind of be, he was a high schooler then. I got to be the surrogate dad for, you know, like a day and a half of Chase Davis. So um, I'm a huge fan. I'm biased, 100% biased. Like there's no doubt in my mind I'm biased. But uh, I'll put my bias aside, and we'll have a real conversation. I'm going to challenge you two to get off on Spanish a little bit. Take off, you know, speak Spanish. Embarrassingly enough, married to a beautiful Chilean woman, I still don't. So you guys go off and speak Spanish. That's our podcast. Let's get it going. Starts with Tanner Witt. Tanner starts now. There's things to get excited about, right, when we head into the holiday season. And there are things when we get excited about to head into the new year. That's natural. We all grew up that way. If we were fortunate enough, we realize how fortunate we are to have gatherings and family and such. But I think it's different for you, Tanner Witt, because as we head into the new year, I want to go back to September 12th, the day that you first played catch. Like you were learning to play catch for the very first time. You were very gentle, respectful of your arm. But you're coming back, and so the year when you come back from TJ surgery and you play catch on September 12th, first of all, let me stop there. What did September 12th mean to you to play catch when you're coming back? I mean, it brought me back to being just a little kid, um, going out there and just really loving the game. Um, kind of that thing, you don't realize what you have until it's gone. Um, you know, that's those six months where I hadn't picked up a baseball. It's probably the longest I've ever gone without picking up a baseball. Um, and then baseball is what I love. It's my passion. It always has been. So I just got back to a little kid and there's just that joy and happiness of the game. It was uh, that smile that was on my face. Like I, I remember saying, I was like, I can't stop smiling the whole time. Um, it was, it was so much fun. It brought me so much joy. So then we go through the holidays into the new year and whether this debuts in the new year and the holidays, either way, the point is still the same. How anxious are you and excited for you for the, the calendar year 2023? Um, your 2022 baseball wise was great when you were healthy, when you're able to, to have a couple of strong outings, but can you kind of describe your anxiousness, your excitement? I know it's healthy anxiousness, it's the right kind, but can you kind of put into the words right now what you're looking forward to? Right, I think there's a lot to look forward to, um, but for me it's just taking it day by day um, and not letting, not looking forward too much and just enjoying the day by day because everything goes by so fast um, and if you don't really take time to slow down and enjoy every moment um, just within the day by day, um, it's going to be, be gone in a blink of an eye. Um, so even throughout this rehab process, there's ups, downs. Um, that's just any injury, any rehab. Um, but just enjoying the people around me, enjoying the rehab process, getting better, just all that stuff. It just makes, one, the rehab process go smoother, um, keeping that positive mindset. And two, just you really get to slow down and enjoy every moment that you're in. We've had a bunch of guys on recently, Tanner, who whether it was injury or their college team was stacked, that they didn't play a ton. It's been a really interesting theme, and yet here you find yourself a top prospect, somebody who there's a lot of eyes on, a lot of excitement around, but maybe didn't play a ton for a season. And now you're back, and you're really eager and itching to get there. But everyone has said what you've said. It, it slows you down a little bit. And I find it interesting to know what you learned about the game while you didn't play or what you noticed about the game that, that you kind of re-fell in love with or stood out to you. What was that for you? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's so much that I've learned on and off the field through this injury. Um, obviously, injuries are not fun, but it's almost like a blessing in disguise because you learn so much. So I helped uh, my grandfather coach this summer and my dad um, a summer team. They were 15 years old and um, I was helping the pitching side. And a lot of the conversations with these kids um, that I had, you realize that you make the game a lot harder than it really is. And a lot of the stuff that I was saying to them, I looked in the mirror and I was like, I should probably tell myself that. Um, and it just really puts it in perspective, just how hard you make the game and how you shouldn't really make it that hard. Um, I mean, as a pitcher, you watch BP, hitters get themselves out probably over half the time in BP. Um, and that's batting practice, right? So when you go in the game, don't make, like, don't give the hitters that much respect. Um, so little things like that that I've learned about the game, um, you just really have, like I said, you have that time to slow down and really get to 
one off the field and on the field, learn, learn about yourself, um, learn about your body, learn, just learn a lot of stuff. Um, and I've been very fortunate to learn a lot through this time. Okay. Let's talk about learning. I want to know what you learned in 2021 in the college world series. You pitched five and two thirds innings in, in the elimination game and you hadn't pitched more than three and a third all year long in your relief appearances. So you're, you're pushed to the brink on the biggest stage elimination game and you're just kind of getting your feet wet at Texas. What did you learn about yourself in that moment that you hope to carry into this season? I think just confidence in myself. Like you said, the, the big stage, that's what I love. That's what I thrive on. Um, it's always been what I've loved. It's what I've, like, that moment, the moment, that's what I want to be in all the time. Um, a lot of people shy away from it, don't want it as much. Um, I step into it, and I, I, whether it's good or bad, I want to be in it. Um, it's, that's just what I thrive on. So during that moment, it was my last outing. It was in the, the super regional and it was a good outing until the end. And then I ended up giving up three runs, tied the game. Uh, we ended up winning the game, which was walked it off, which was exciting. Um, but obviously my last outing, that was the last taste of my mouth. Yeah. Um, so you can go two ways with that. You can let it kind of beat you up, especially being younger. Um, but something that has always been pushed to me, is just the mental side of the game learning from failure because, you know, you can use failure to be successful. Um, so that was a big thing that I took out of that game going into the College World Series was, hey, whatever situation I'm in, I'm, I'm going to attack it. Um, doesn't matter what's happened before. Um, doesn't matter what's going to happen in the future. It's just that moment right there um, and focusing on that moment and really slowing it down because the game speeds up. Um, it really does. And having the ability to slow the game down in those moments um, really helps. It's cool. It's interesting that you talk about failure because uh, to name drop, but it's a cool name that I think we're all pretty well aware of. Yesterday, I had a chance to interview Jessica Mendoza, who, you know, Olympic medalist twice softball, but I'm an ESPN World Series radio announcer, softball announcer, all that good stuff, Dodgers voice. And she kind of went off a little bit. I asked her, and it's, this is where I want to go with this, Tanner. She kind of went off a little bit when I asked her to give advice for parents. She made it clear that a lot of parents, in her perspective, don't let their kids fail anymore. Don't let their kids. She, she actually, the, 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 the casual quote was, just because you struck out, that means you may have just swung and missed the pitch, not because there was a bad call on strike two. Like, let's focus on the fact that failure is okay. And she advised parents to let their, their young athletes live in that failure, learn from it, and create a work ethic that has you, you know, growing from it. So that being said, I'm guessing your dad helped you in that area, right? Because... You're part of the, as someone who's 53, I'm able to talk about your generation, right? Hey, these kids in this generation, they don't know failure. They're soft. They've been through all this. I'm guessing your dad, with all of his successes and failures and playing globally this game of baseball, has given that same advice and guided you to understand where you fail, understand where you fall short, and then to work your tail off to grow from it. Am I safe in describing your dad that way? Absolutely, 100%. I mean, it's both my, my mom and my dad. Um, you know, they've both been, obviously my dad was in the game for a while. I was on the coaching side too. Um, so he always pushed kind of the mental side of the game and, uh, realizing that this is a failure driven game. Um, you're going to fail a lot, but to learn from that failure. And I think they let me go through those failures and kind of talked me through those. Um, it kept me humble. Um, I think that's, that's been the biggest thing through those failures. Um, not letting me get too high with the success and not getting me too low with the failure, um, yeah. Just keeping me right on that even keel. Um, both my mom and my dad have been tremendous with that. Tell us about your mom's softball career. Your mom is Lori. Tell us, tell us about the kind of athlete she was at Texas. Right. I mean, some, some people say that I got all my athletic genes from her. Um, sorry, sorry, Dad, but uh, <laughs> no. They, uh, she, she was a very good athlete, played, played, uh, played soccer, volleyball, and softball, and then ended up playing softball in, uh, in college. And, um, you know, she's, she's been awesome with very, very hard headed, um, you know, doesn't let me get high with success. She always keeps me humble, um, which is, which is awesome. I think it's, it's helped me so much being able to keep me, keep me down, um, and grounded, uh, cause that's so important. You see so many, so many people get caught up in, in all sorts of stuff when you shouldn't, you shouldn't get caught up in that stuff. Um, you should just focus on the day, um, and continue to get better every day. Okay, let's deep dive into the siblings because 
I, I said this earlier, I love all the love you give them on your social media. And I, I really want to know who's the most athletic in your family because I feel like your sister, uh, might Skylar, is that right? Your sister Skylar, uh, might be the most athletic. Do I have that right? Some, some would say, some would say, <laughs> um, I'm neither going to confirm nor deny. Okay. Um, but no, it's, it, my family's awesome. I love them. Always put them first. Um, they are, uh, they're my love. That's I'm a family first guy. Um, and we have a big family, very competitive. Um, but we all love each other and support each other. Um, I'm always going to be there for them. They're always going to be there for me. Um, but it is a competition. Everything's a competition in the Wit House. Can you give us an example? Now that you are all home for the holidays, give us an example of what this might look like. So we have a dartboard in our garage. Um, and we'll have all the aunts, uncles, cousins over. And um, we'll get a dart tournament going. <laughs> and I never thought that I'd get so good at darts. Because I refuse, I just hate losing. Um, so that is one thing that I have gotten very, very good at is darts. Because um, I just don't like losing. And they all joke around that, oh, like Tanner's so good at everything. But I think it's just I don't like losing. So when I lose at first, I'm going to, I'm in there working on my dart game uh, every, every night. Um, so the past, the past few years when we've had that dartboard in there, we've gotten some intense tournaments going. It's amazing. That's amazing. Hey, I wanted to ask you, by the way, what position did you play when you played volleyball? I was an outside hitter. Oh, an OH. Yes. Very, very nice. Absolutely. And when you're all state, that means you're pretty good. That means you worked well with your setter. That means you had good blockers. What did you love about that sport? I mean, do, you know, I, I get to call it on television a lot, not the men's side, but the women's side. And uh, it's a dynamic sport for, for me from where I sit courtside. What did you love about playing it? I think people don't realize how much goes into it. Um, there's a lot of, like for me, the communication aspect, um, you always got to be talking um, before the play, during the play, like you always have to be communicating the footwork, just everything. I feel like it, it translated so much to baseball that people don't even realize um, just little things here and there. Um, but I loved it. I mean, I, I played in, a, I never played football. So I was like, I went into high school, my older brother played volleyball and I was like, uh, I'll go. I'll go do volleyball. I didn't miss any of the the, uh, the off season baseball stuff because I'd be in the winter, um, and I wanted to keep doing something, uh, keep me busy. And um, I loved volleyball. I played it all four years in high school, um, and it was so much fun. Yeah, using your arm. You're still using your arm. Got the exactly. coaches holding their clipboard up like this, and <laughs> two, three. Where's the serve going? I, I still don't know it that well. Not as well. You, you, you probably could guide me in my play by play. <laughs> So as we sit here today and you're still ramping back up to 100%, let's bring all your pitches to the, to the party, to the cocktail party, and introduce them one by one. Um, when they're right, who are you as a pitcher? Let's just go pitch by pitch and introduce them by name. Do that for me and just give me a brief description of each pitch. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think it all starts with my fastball, forcing fastball, um, and then everything after that plays off the fastball. Um, I have the ability to spin the fastball up in the zone, um, and then also use my angle to go down in the zone. Um, and I try to use that to my advantage. Um, then next would be the curveball. Um, it's always been my best pitch, my strength. Um, it's never changed a grip, never didn't throw it until high school, and it hasn't changed since. Um, that's always been my best pitch. And then my changeup has been a pitch that I was really only fastball, curveball throughout high school, and then in the bullpen my freshman year um but then making that transition from from bullpen back to starter my changeup was a pitch that i think really helped me do that um and you don't realize how big of a pitch a changeup is you ask talking to a lot of hitters on the on the usa circuit just te guys on my team um a lot of those hitters say hey man like changeup's a good pitch like it, it, it's nasty um, so that, that's been one of my best, at times it's, I feel like my best pitch, um, depending on the day you ask me. And then also I have a slider that, um, I got last summer and then I threw it for the first, I threw it throughout the summer, threw it throughout the fall, and then finally threw it in, uh, in my first two starts in the 22 season. So it's, it's a newer pitch, but I've gotten, I've gotten comfortable with it. What are the characteristics of that slider for you that, that make it effective? So for me, 
I was always chasing that fourth pitch, trying to get a slider, but it got too big and too much like my curveball. Um, so I can never really figure out how to get it. And I would talk to people, talk about their grips and all this stuff. And then on the, uh, out in the Cape with, uh, Dennis Cook and Chatham, he, uh, he helped me find that I literally just tilt my fastball and throw it like a fastball. And, um, it's, I think more cutter, but it is a true slider with that late action, um, that I can get. It's more of a swing and mid, like strikeout pitch to righties. Um, and for me, Trying to learn that pitch, my my idol always growing up was Justin Verlander. Um, and at the beginning of his career, he was more of a fastball, big curveball guy. And now when he went to Houston, he was he got that hard slider and started throwing it more. Um, and that's his strikeout pitch too. Um, still throws the big curveball, but that slider's a big pitch for him. So for me, going through learning that pitch, it's like, hey, like this pitch wasn't huge for him, and now it's his strikeout pitch. Who knows? This could be a strikeout pitch for me. Um, so always keeping that open mind with those, this, with those pitches. What's the method? What goes into, to perfecting a pitch? Maybe particularly your changeup, since it sounds like it's your baby. It's your pride and joy that you have, but you know, everyone is a little bit different about if they're watching the pros or it's just them playing with it at home. Like what's your method to perfecting that pitch? I think for me, I think a lot like a hitter. I was always a two-way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was two-way my freshman year too. So I have that. And then always growing up, my dad had that hitter's approach mindset. So it was always pushed to me, the hitter's approach. And I always think like that on the mound, which I think has helped me. Um, so deception is big for me, um, especially with the changeup. I want to make it look like my fastball as long as I can. Arm speed, the spin, everything. Um, as long I want every one of my pitches to look the same until the very end. And I want every one of them to do a different thing. Um, that way they never know what's coming until the very end. Um, so for me, that's deception's the biggest thing. Okay. And you mentioned the two way aspect too. you, you shortstop in high school, right? That's like a place that you seem to love. Now you've transitioned to the mound, but how did being a shortstop make you a better pitcher? Staying athletic. Um, I think a lot of people get on the mound and get so robotic um, with mechanics and all this stuff for me, like I still go out there and I'll take ground balls and just like, just stay in athletic, um, little things like that, um, that you don't even think about. You don't think it's a big deal, but making that transition, it was like, okay, I don't want to like, I feel like athleticism being so tall. Um, I feel like athleticism was a strength of mine and I didn't want to lose that. So for me, I'll still go out there, take ground balls, um, just have fun, do, do, do stuff like that just to stay athletic. Um, cause I think it translates so much on the mound. Yeah. Dude, you're an all state volleyball player. <laughs> You'd have to work hard to not be athletic, right? I couldn't even walk and tie my shoes. I'm six, five. I couldn't even walk and tie my shoes or speak and tie my shoes. First to third bunt defenses, getting over where to throw the ball. So you're Keep it up, man, because all of us tall guys envy fellow tall guys that are actually athletic. I mean, so I don't blame you for chasing that fear because you've probably seen a bunch of six five dudes that are stumbling all over themselves, I'm sure. You don't want to be that guy, right? I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Hey, go to 500level.com. This is uh, an infomercial. And uh, you want to find the TW collection, go, go to 500level.com. Tanner Witt's got his gear. Um, it's a great stocking stuffer. If you hurry, it depends how quickly we edit this. If not, it's a great gift throughout the season. NIL is a good thing, man. I love it. I, I love your gear. It's pretty well done. Kind of sneaks in the, you know, got a little bit of the Texas feel, got the TW in there. Who designed that gear for you? It was, it was a mixture of a lot of ideas. Um, it was, it's actually funny. It was, I mean, my family was looking for gear to wear to games. Um, so that was kind of the, like, the beginning idea of it. And then um, just throwing a bunch of ideas together, that's what we ended up coming up with. And uh, I think my family has probably purchased 90% of it. Um, they are, they, it's, I think it's going to be a large, um, a large bit of the Christmas presents under the tree this year. <laughs> nice. Um, that, nice. This, okay. is what I've, this is what I've heard, just that's a rumor great. going around. Um, but no, I love it. I mean, my family's always supporting. They, they love wearing it. Um, and I love seeing them wear it. It's a, good, it's a good business thing you're learning as a young man, already very successful, mm-hmm. and 
coming from a successful family is no discounts for family, man. This is my business going here. I can't be, you know, just because I own a donut shop doesn't mean you get a dozen free donuts every morning. You know, you, you, you got to do what you got to do. We, I might have to get in there and get one of those. So as long as you got like a poly cotton blend, I'll grab one. Absolutely. I'll see what I can do. Oh my gosh. Right, He's Kyle. just fishing for right. free gear. It's unbelievable. No, no, I'm going to pay. I'm going to do that. I'm going to pay. I, I will get perfect. I will never pay for perfect game gear, but I'll pay for TW gear. I'll pay for Dodgers gear. My favorite spots. Like I'll pay for that <laughs> stuff. Right. I'll pay to get into Disneyland. <laughs> okay. I get it. There I know. There we go. I know. It's only okay. fair. Hey, my last one is I really want to know what you're most looking forward to the part of the game when you, you play your first game of the season, what is what is the thing that you can't wait to do? Is it gear up? Is it uh, prep for the game? Mm. What is the part that you cannot wait to do? I think gearing up is something that I've always tried to never lose sight of and take advantage of, I guess. Um, throughout, whenever I was hurt, um, I mean, I had surgery. Uh, I, the next day I was suited up um, at home against A&M. It's just like little things like that. I always wear my cleats and everybody makes fun of me. Um, but you never realize when that's going to be taken away from yeah. you. Um, so for me, that's always, that's always something. And guys before me who went through injuries, they're like, Hey man, like just, you never know when the cleats are not going to be able to go back mm -hmm. on. Um, so for me, like cleaning up is something that I always do every game. Um, but just the little butterflies that you get, um, before the game, when you're going to play, um, I'm gonna, I'm looking forward to those cause I haven't felt those in a while. Um, and those butterflies, those little like nervous things, everybody gets them, whether you want to admit it or not. Um, you can use those for good or bad, but everybody gets them. Um, and I love those. I love those feelings before the game you get, um, that little adrenaline that you get the rush. Um, I love that. So that's what I'm going to be looking forward to most and just going out there with my teammates. Yeah. Um, I think that was one of the hardest things too, when I went down, was realizing that guys like Faltine, Ardwan, Hodo, like I'm not going to be able to look back and see them in the field or throw to Ardwan at Texas. Mm -hmm. Who knows what could happen after that? But at Texas, I'm not going to be able to see those guys. So that was the hardest thing at first. Um, so getting able to be back out there with those guys, I mean, that's also going to be a big thing for me. Amazing. Tanner, a million thank yous. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank y'all for having Happy me. Happy holidays, man. Y'all too. I'm going to encourage you to find Perfect Game TV if you haven't. Download it on your smart device. We've got great new content all the time, daily, weekly, and every week we host a brand new edition of Perfect Game College Baseball. Hunter Pence is my co-host. That Hunter Pence, the one you know in the big leagues for so long and one of the voices on Apple TV and soon to be one of the voices of the Giants. Stay tuned on that story. It's going to be a lot of fun. But Hunter Pence, Dan Heathner, head coach, Dallas Baptist, Two Texans talking mid-major baseball, but you better call it top 25 baseball. Here's the two of them on a recent edition of Perfect Game College Baseball. When I think of DBU, you know, coming growing up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you know, you, you've just built such an amazing program. But I think of fundamental baseball, I think of good pitching, pitchability. You have a lot of arms that have some velocity, but I just want to dive into a little bit of what are, what are some of the key principles to creating such a good, fundamentally sound team year in and year out? Yeah, that's a great question. And definitely remember when you were over at UTA and um, it was always fun watching you play. But, you know, I think our big thing is, um, I mean, you nailed it. And that's, you know, makes us feel pretty good that that's what you've noticed about the program is we really focus on development and, you know, want to maximize each player. And one thing with that is, you know, we try to maximize each guy's strength. So trying to figure out like on the you mentioned pitching on the pitching side, it's like, OK, what makes this guy unique? What does he do that's special? How does his body move? What's best for him? But I think more importantly, and the thing we've been learning the most in recent years is how to maximize his pitches. And, you know, what does he do with the baseball that's unique and different than normal? And then just maximize that and let them kind of specialize and um, do their thing. So if it's a guy with the ride fastball, we're going to maximize that and let him throw it where it's going to play best. And, you know, finding his bre best breaking ball, finding the pitches that are going to tunnel the best and feed off of each other and, um, you know, not so much of trying to get a pitcher to be able to do five, six different things. What are the, the two to three things that you can really master and do well that um, are just natural for you? Yeah, Dan, I, I think that that is, is a remarkable way of looking at things. A lot of people would say, you know, when I was coming up, 
you know, work on your weaknesses. And there's been kind of a tune that I've, I've noticed from these opportunities. And I think that that's just like really good, important for people to realize is like, what are you good at? And let's master that and trust it. The Rays, I, I thought, were one of the big league teams that are doing that great. So it doesn't surprise me uh, that you're taking advantage of, of what each kid has. And uh, it, it's, it's pretty uh, wild to me because I never thought of that coming up. So thanks for sharing that, Dan. Um, you mentioned about this team. He said, we have a team that's ready to overachieve, and, and it's kind of a younger squad. Can you talk a little bit about why you think this team is ready to overachieve? And I, I know from the outside looking in, we always expect DBU because of what you've been able to do to be great. But why does this team ready to overachieve? Yeah, I think, you know, the reason we feel that way about this team is just it's the makeup of the team. It's the type of guys we have. It's the, the work ethic we saw this fall. I mean, to me, what does it take to overachieve? It takes tremendous work ethic, but it also takes – just a great team mentality. Um, you know, when you have great team chemistry, I, you know, we hear it every single year, every sport, you look at the team who's, who's playing at the very end of the year. And what, what was the key to you guys being successful? They're going to say something about how close they were together. Um, you know, the adversity that they were able to, to fight through because they were a team and because they were together. And that was something we were really impressed with, with this group is, you know, in a very short amount of time, like, they just really gelled together and the work ethic was tremendous. And, you know, I think that's a benefit of being at a place for a long time. You can kind of look back and compare to past teams that we've had and just seeing the, the teams we've had that have overachieved and really done some special things. I, I think they had those two traits where it was, you know, they love to work. So it's not grinding just for grinding sake. It's like they're here because they want to be here. And this is what's enjoyable for them is to, to hang out at the field at night and late after practice and guys are here early and, you know, and then they're done with that and they go and they eat dinner together and then they hang out and then they're playing ping pong. And it's just like, they're just together all the time, working, playing baseball, talking baseball, enjoying each other. So those are things that make us pretty hopeful about the season. All right, Chase, my friend, I know that Darren has had the chance to see you, to call your games, to catch up with you over the past couple of years. I have not. So I'm so happy to see your face and to see all the success that you have found in college baseball. I know that it has been a journey for you. You're a journeyman right now, but I want to go back because I saw you in 2019. We saw you at the All-American Classic. The notes that I have on you, the time that we spent catching up, I think we talked about you speak Spanish, and I know that that's gotten way better. So impressive. You're still a dancer. You still love to dance. Every day. And Carlos Gonzalez is somebody that you looked up to, someone, the swing, the stroke, the vibe. And when I go online and search your name, I see people comparing you to Cargo. And so I just wanted to go back to that time. Who was Chase Davis in 2019? Who was that kid? Chase in 2019 was a kid that was trying to find his way to be able to succeed at the next level. And I heard so much, like you're, like you're saying, comparisons as far as, you know, what I swing like, how I play. Um, but for me, the biggest thing for me was just kind of coming into my own shoes and understanding who I am as a baseball player and um, what, what the goal really is and, and how I'm going to achieve it. So I think for me, 2019, I was trying to figure out my ultimate journey as far as college and pro ball and how I'm going to go about it. Um, and obviously, perfect game and all that kind of stuff, a whole bunch of crazy events, uh, dream series and breakthrough series was awesome to compete with and do. Um, and then it was just a very, very quick turnaround as far as the next step. I went to college and it was insane. But 2019 was a young guy and someone who tried to figure out what I was trying to do in the game of baseball. And it's not easy, not at all, to navigate it, to know who am I, what do I want to be like, what's my voice, because you did have all these great support systems around you, all these organizations. So you go to college, and Darren and I talk a lot about 2020 in particular and and how we think the world of those who went to school and, and had to be in that atmosphere and try to be a person and an athlete and a student. So walk us through 2020. What were some of the highs and maybe some of the lows of that year for you? So 2020 was crazy because, as you know, um, we had coronavirus, and that started in March um, 7th. I still remember that day in high school, March 7th. That Friday, um, we were getting ready to go to a game. We actually had a game the night before that, and that was the last game that we played. We played six games of my high school season for senior year, and it was just insane because we didn't think anything of it. Then the virus comes, and school's canceled, our season's canceled, no graduation. So I kind of wait that whole summer to figure out uh, for pro ball in the draft. 
Then the five rounds happens, the COVID draft, that goes on. I choose to end up going to college. And I knew that that's where <laughs> it was going to be a journey and a half the next three years there. But that's 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 really what it was. It was a quick decision. It was a well-thought decision, though. And uh, I never looked back. But 2020 was crazy, kind of getting into the fall of college, kind of getting my feet wet, seeing how that whole thing works out. Um, it was awesome. It was very different at first. Kind of had to make some new friends in a little bit and figure out some people that, you know, could be by my side for the next three years. So that was huge. And then um, – Turning into spring of 2021, freshman year was insane as well. So 2020 was crazy. I want to go back to 2019 because in 2019, even before we saw you at the All-American Classic and even before we saw you at PG events, I pulled you in on a radio show. So you filled out a bio questionnaire for me. And you said, and I quote, when I asked, what are some of the greatest challenges in your life? And uh, you said, and I quote, I'm going to take one line out of it. Accept I can do something great in this game. I need to accept that I can do something great in this game. What did that mean then? And what does that still mean today? Something great for me is, is the chance to be able to prove who I am um, and to people all around the country and world that want to see a college baseball game to kind of figure out the impact I can make in the game down the road. And, and something that for me, it was, it was very hard to be able to come into um, college and kind of figure out if I would be able to be that person for my team and for my family. Um, but I knew I could do something special. And then some special is the whole sophomore year I had, the first chance I was able to play consistently all the time was just huge for me. And I was able to do that and put on a show for not only myself, but people watching. And um, I love to be the star on the field. And that just kind of gave me that reassurance inside that I could do this to the next level and that this is slowly becoming a dream to reality. So that really is kind of the whole I can do something special kind of vibe because I never really knew it would be like this until around 11, 12 years old. This is something I've wanted to do for a long time. So now just kind of seeing it unfold in front of my eyes is very surreal to me. And um, thank God for everything. What do you think you meant, though, back in 2019 when you said that? I meant that years from now, after that in 2019, I will be the star that I knew I could become. People would be watching on TV. It was something that junior year, that whole COVID uh, going into 2020, that whole junior year was super, super clustered, super fun, though. And I wanted to be able to see what I could do at the next level. And, and I, I was unsure what the next level would be. But um, I'm, I'm very confident now that this is becoming a, a dream to reality. So I'm excited. How did you stay patient in 2021? You had 30 total at-bats. How did you stay patient? And uh, maybe more specifically, what was your lowest moment? The patience part was hard to kind of grasp. Um, it, was, it was difficult because obviously, you know, as a player coming into college, you want to see the field, right? You want to play often. Um, that wasn't really the case for me. That wasn't my situation. And it's okay. Um, it was something that I had to really grow up about and, and mature and look, and look towards the future as far as my opportunities for baseball for this program. And at the time, I just had to be the best teammate I could and I wanted to be. I was a part of a winning team, and that's exactly what we were. We, we went to Omaha that year. And um, it, it was such a blast. But looking back at it now, it's almost like um, it, it was an experience that I needed um, to, see, to, to not see the field and to understand that it just wasn't my turn. And I grew up so quickly through that time period. And it was just insane to look back now. And it's like, I'm glad I stayed and I chose not to leave. And I never wanted to leave. And it's family and it's home. And regardless of the coaching staff, regardless of the team I was on, I'm just glad that um, everything happens for a reason. And um, I didn't play as much as I wanted to, but I, I, I sat it out and got some playing time last year and did what I did. So I'm glad. Ooh, I know Darren and I want to know a little bit more about that because the transfer portal is such a topic of discussion and, and we see it being used more than ever before, right? The accessibility to it, but you just said it yourself, you chose to stay. So were you tempted to leave? And if so, how did you resist or why did you resist the temptation? I was not tempted to leave at all. I talked to Daniel Susak. Um, it was Dan's last year. My, la my last year was Dan's last year. And this freshman year, we were both freshmen, and we were like, dude, this is family. I've been talking to Dan for years before he even committed to the school. He was just one of the many people that had an influence on why I was even going to come here. Um, and um, I was talking to him, and I was like, dude, this is literally where we chose to go, and this is where we can perform and, and, and shine and just stand out. And uh, him and I talked for a little bit, and after that, um, and after kind of sitting down with myself and figuring out, you know, this is where I want to be and all the pros and cons and everything, right? I was just like, this is where I want to be. And I'm not going to leave regardless of who's taking who, where, all this kind of stuff. That didn't matter to me. I was just super excited to be able to get a chance to lead a team 
um, and, and be a part of something successful. And that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Wow, I love that. So you mentioned that you learned a lot. Maybe it was a good thing. And it's crazy because we've actually talked to a bunch of guys already this fall who, a lot like you, sat or had a, a, a good freshman something happened sophomore year and then they excelled their junior season because of COVID, whatever it may be. But there's, there's guys in your class and guys who are above and below you who've had to watch. So what did you learn when you watched? I learned that their success they're having is something I'm very capable of doing. Um, and it's just the fact that they're going to be doing it at that time. And I'm just not, you know, it's really, it's really very simple. Um, you can break it down into many things and people can get jealous and people can get um, envious if he's playing over them. But my thing was just like, dude, my coach feels like these three have a better chance of helping the team win than I do. And that's completely okay. I'm going to be a good damn teammate and watch these guys win and have some fun with it. So that's exactly what I did. And I, I just learned a lot from the older guys as well. They, they gave me nooks and crannies here and there. And, um, how to get my game better and things I could be working on off to the side while they're performing. And I did just that. And um, it really got me better and prepared for even down the road. If something isn't going the way I want it to go, just like it did freshman year, then I understand that I can just reflect and look back and just be like, okay, I already did this. I, I go through it. So I kind of understand how all that goes. Life's fun when we go off script, man. I had all these things scripted when I was young too. And other people have jumped in with their, typewriter to sound like an old man and rewritten other things. And that's when you grow. I mean, that's really when you grow. I mean, you know, been fired a couple of times. Life's fun when the script changes, you know, and, and you figure out if you, if you truly have it, it sounds like, it sounds like I, I want to dive a little deeper on Daniel because I like him. He's a pretty stoic figure. We did that show where I interviewed you last year and then Daniel, two very different people. He's quite stoic. I'm sure you've seen the loose side and the fun side, but that that seems to be pretty important that he was able to provide some perspective for you. That that seems to be a relationship that is a lot deeper than we see on the surface. Dan's Dan's just a guy that you want to be around. He's someone that just brings a smile to my face just thinking about just just all this stuff that he has done for not only me, to, but just for the team in general. He's just a winner. Um, he's just a, a very loose. Um, he's a character, man. He's a leader, and that's huge. I've learned a lot of things from Dan. Um, he's very talented as well, um, and I, I tip my cap to him, man. He's a great teammate um, and uh, just someone that I, I want to be around when I'm older and someone that I want my daughter to be around. Like, if I had to have my daughter date someone to be Dan, like, he's awesome. Like, he's super, super awesome, and um, tip my cap. He's having a great journey in Pobar right now, and I'm super excited to see what um, road is ahead of him. I'd argue you're a guy that I'd want my daughter to date. So that's a that's a good compliment. That's a that's a that's a very good compliment. How much of you is still that soccer player? I love the fact that you played soccer. You played at a high club level, man. You could ball. Remind all our listeners what position you played on the pitch. The World Cup just ended. How much of you is still that athlete, that soccer player? Man, if I could play soccer for a profession and knowing that I'm very talented at baseball as well, because I don't want to give that up, I would definitely do that. Soccer is absolutely, like, it's literally my life. Like, I love soccer. It's one of my favorite sports ever. Got done watching the World Cup. Super excited for Argentina and Messi. Um, but it's just it's, it's just a sport that I grew up with and just took in with warm arms and just had a great time with. I, I feel like I was very talented in soccer. And who knows what the road would have been if I kept doing it. But um, it is definitely something I look, I, I look back at and smile and just and, and super appreciative of the memories I made with that sport. Remind me, you weren't a keeper, were you? Most definitely a keeper, and I was a forward too. So I did both. Okay. Like, defended and attacked. Okay. That's okay. So you were a keeper and a forward. So you knew what it was like to break the heart, and then you had your heart broken on occasion. So I get it. Both to that. succeed. Yeah. <laughs> I got so it. You got to do both. This is unbelievable. I I feel so happy that we're catching up right now, honestly. I feel like I need more Chase Davis in my life, like, more often. Do you have, like, a, a motivational podcast? Like, maybe you should start your own. I honestly, I literally should start thinking about that. I remember, Danny, even seeing you after games in Jupiter, I just come and say what's up to you, like, after the game behind the dugout all the time. Dream series, <laughs> like, so many places I've seen you. And obviously, Darren as well, hearing your voice and seeing you all the time, whether it's on a highlight reel, whether it's on in person, before or after practice, whatever it is, man. It's awesome catching up with you guys. I love it. Thank goodness so you know doing homework and, and trying to play catch up a little bit about what's been going on with you seeing the fall that you had the summer that you had how do you 
manage your expectations now because this is an exciting season. You know, you are a leader on this team. You are a face of this program now, which is incredible, and you've earned it. So how do you manage the expectations that are on you, whether you know them or not? To be completely honest, it's it's one of those things where you look at and you kind of got to figure out what can you do to help the team move forward and what is, what's going to be my part for the team. I'm not the team at all. I'm one of 27. And um, it's just going to be one of those things where how am I going to be able to contribute? And I've done this. I've thought about this multiple times. I'm thinking for this upcoming season, kind of managing my time and managing where my efforts and thoughts go. I'm not even looking towards the draft. Like I'm really, really where my feet are as far as winning a college world series and going to Omaha and spending these moments with the team. Cause these guys are family. So we're a winning team. We're very talented. I'm super optimistic about the season as well. And I can't wait to see what's in store for us. We work hard um, on and off the field and a bunch of great guys with me by my side. And I know we're going to do whatever, it takes to be able to get to the next step um but as far as to managing everything it's 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 not easy it is a little hard um as far as you know how are you going to go about it and what things should you and should you not say um and how should you act so um all that taken into consideration and I, I move forward with it but i'm super excited i got a group of mature guys by my side and i have no doubts one more uh i i saw some tweets about your muscles and the growth of your body and the shape that you're in. Can you give us a little more about that? So basically our workouts are insane. Shout out to Jim Krempos if you're watching this, our strength trainer. Uh, but basically we work out all the time throughout the week, uh, five days. And we do upper body, lower body. And he has his benching and squats. So benching and squatting are two of the most popular workouts everyone knows. We do those a whole bunch and also mixed in with other workouts as well. But for the bench part, I'm currently at 285 for the bench, my one rep max. And then for the squat, 475. So like I try and get up super high in weight, obviously, by still staying loose and flexible, right? You still have to move, still have to be agile as an outfitter especially, but you still got to be strong. So I do take that in uh, consideration as well. So I really try to work hard with the workouts we do and, and, and press not only myself, but others as well. <laughs> it's old school. Bench press is old school, man. I love it. Got it. You got to do it, man. You do it. Throwing up those couple of 45s on there. I love it, man. That's outstanding. Uh, my, my final one is quite simple. Um, I loved watching your eyes meet your bat last year because you're, you're a modern player in the sense that you have the athleticism and the power, but you also have the eyes that it takes to become a pro. Um, how challenging is that to have eyes meet the bat? Because, you know, even in that 2019 questionnaire, one of your scouting reports you shared with me was like, I like to swing early. Well, if your eyes are your good friend, right? If your eyes are your good friend, you don't always. So trusting your hands. I've seen you hit a ball out the other way. Amazing. But how, how, how much have you grown where your eyes and your bat work together? Does that make sense? It's one of those things where um, you kind of got to figure out what kind of baseball player you are as a hitter. Um, those things will change according to your plan and how you're going to do it. For me, I've worked on even this past fall, taking more pitches because they're not strikes. My discipline has increased so much because understanding that last year, you know, I could have worked on it a little more. It could have been a little better at the beginning of the season. It started to sharpen out and then become more fine-tuned towards the end. But this past fall, I really, really thought about it. And I was like, this upcoming season, it's going to be one of those things where if I'm in the box and a pitcher maybe throws me one or two strikes and I'm that, I have to understand that he's going to try to get me down here and up here, inside, outside. He's going to try and throw things that I can't hit. Because uh, it's not in the strike zone. And I had a problem with that last year. So I got to understand that this is going to be different this year. Teams are going to know how to throw to me. And they're going to try and come around the zone. So discipline is super huge. So I think as a hitter for me, when I'm taking those balls and swinging that strikes in the zone, pitches that I know I can hammer, then I'm so much more successful. And um, it's just a, a better chance of success in my eyes meeting the bat. So um, I think that's really what I'm working on this upcoming year is just hitting balls in the zone, doing damage, and obviously laying off those bad pitches. I actually tried to leave before we recorded this, um, but that would have been foolish because uh, Chase Davis is amazing. His energy is crazy. Uh, Tanner Witt is down to earth and powerful in his own way. And uh, you've done it again, two gentlemen that probably will not go past day one of the draft. I'm not gonna call them both sure first rounders, but they both can be. Um, both very different conversations. I love them both. Energy is different on both sides, but not for better or for worse. Tanner's energy no. is calm, cool, collected, confident, and 
he had to learn from coming back from Tommy John. And then you have Chase, who is a ball of energy, and it rubs off on you, and it makes you want to talk faster and come up with all these crazy ideas and, and feed off the positivity. And he's used that to his advantage. When I listen to Chase talk, just because we've known him for so long, it, it makes my heart really happy that he's become this person, right? We sometimes forget that athletes are people and he's turned into this incredible human being and he stayed at Arizona and he put the work in instead of running when he didn't get to play and he didn't get his way. He sat and stayed and put in his time and said he was better for it. And Tanner also learned a lot from having to sit out and watch some of his favorite teammates play their last season. Like that has an effect on you whether you realize it or not. And so now both these guys head into their last seasons as leaders of their team, faces of their team. There's a bunch of other guys on there, but these are the guys who are going to be the Bulldogs for their team this coming season. Massive impact for both of them, but they both had to sit and watch, much like many of our guests early this fall, kind of a theme heading into 2023. You had to sit and watch what did you learn and how do you use it? And now we get to see that with this coming season. Such a COVID thing. I'm sorry. Like, I don't always want to go back. I hate when I go to a store and the price is up due to COVID. I'm like, COVID's over now, within reason, right? I mean, it's still a struggle other places, but it's a COVID thing. I, I really believe, like, these athletes in 2020 sucked. And these athletes, like, they're, they're flowering later. And, and they're learning. And maybe they're deeper. They're more wise through it. Like, that's a wise young man, Chase Davis. And, um Gosh, I mean, to have the patience to hang in there. Daniel Susak, you left that program with a lot of good things, including Chase Davis, because your leadership, your guidance, your attaboys patting him on the back, or you're busy being an All-American, he's watching from the bench. Like, Susak does have a lot of credit for that. I love it. I love these conversations. Well done, Danny. Thanks so much. Uh, I can't wait to mourn the new year. This is a great way to start the new year, the 2023 season. I want to remind everyone, subscribe. I've learned how to say this because I subscribe to some podcasts. This is one of them I subscribe to, by the way. I subscribe to this Goodness. podcast, okay? So subscribe to it because then what happens is when we give you a new one, it goes onto your phone. It's really wild how that works. I've just learned that, Danny. You're so advanced in technology these days. It really blows my mind. I'm glad that we have this good balance here. You're so advanced. You teach me so much. It's a, it's a great friendship that we have here. Nice little bow on the year. 2023 is going to be like extraordinary. I know it. I'm very excited. And thank you for figuring out how to subscribe. Thank you so much. Everyone, we love you guys. Have a great 23. Be safe. We love you.